This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Thank you so much, choir. Let's take our Bibles and go with me, if you would, into the book of 1 Samuel. We continue the study of the life of David. We're in 1 Samuel chapter number 28, and we take a detour, not from our study, but in our study, a detour uh, really from the events of David's life to examine the final day of the life of Saul, the king who, of course, was rejected by the Lord. David, being now the anointed of the Lord, has been on the run uh, from King Saul, who has uh, been seeking to kill him uh, for a long period of time, only to come up empty time after time. When we last looked at 1 Samuel chapter 27, we saw that David, in a moment of discouragement and despondency, had fled to the land of the Philistines, repeating a a mistake that he had made previously and uh, one that brought him into much trouble. We find him in trouble here in chapter number 28 as well, but God will deliver him from that trouble. As we come to chapter 28, we begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Here we find David, while he has been dwelling among the Philistines, has deceived Achish uh, to win Achish loyalty. And of course, David doing so is seeking to protect his own life. He has done such a, uh, I guess, a, a masterful job of deceiving the king of the Philistines that the king believes that David is going to go out with him and his army to fight against Israel. Of course, this would have been a grave mistake for David. He cannot fight against his own people. But to reveal that his disloyalty to Achish would maybe perhaps cost him his life. And so he's in a dreadful predicament, as is Saul, as we continue to read. The Bible says in verse 3, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. 
And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went. The two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life? to cause me to die. And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall be no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid. For what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and is become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. And the woman came unto Saul, and saw that he was sore troubled, and said unto him, Behold, thine handmaid hath obeyed thy voice, and I have put my life in my hand, and have hearkened unto the words which thou spakest unto me. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken also unto the voice of thine handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused, and I said, I will not eat. But his servants together with a woman compelled him, and he hearkened unto their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. And the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and killed it, and took flour and kneaded it, and did bake unleavened bread thereof. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. Then they rose up and went away that night. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 15. Saul, in the middle of the verse, says, Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me. What dreadful words. God is departed from me. I'm in trouble. The enemy has come against me. I'm trying to get an answer from God. I, I don't know what to do. God is not answering me. 
So therefore, I've come to this woman, this witch of Endor, this woman who has a familiar spirit. She's a fortune teller. She's a medium. She's a necromancer. And, and she, uh, she uh, pretends or at least proclaims to have the ability to, to call up spirits from the dead. And in desperation, Samuel, I've come to her and I've asked her to call you up because I need an answer. I don't know what to do. God has departed from me. What hopeless words those are to think that God is nowhere to be found. That you would cry out unto the Lord and that he would not answer. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we find that Saul had been commanded to go to the Amalekites. The Amalekites were condemned and cursed people because they had resisted Israel after they had uh, after they'd been delivered from Egypt, in their wilderness wanderings, the Amalekites came against them. And the Lord said to Moses, he said, I will make war with the Amalekites forever. He said, I want you to write it down. I want you to put it in a book. The enemies of God are the Amalekites. And so God gave Saul a command in 1 Samuel chapter 15. It was time for judgment. He said, go and utterly destroy them. Destroy all the Amalekites. Don't spare anyone. Destroy all their flocks and all their herds. But Saul decided that he was not going to obey the voice of God, that he knew better than God did. And so surely God would want him to keep some things, and so he did. And Samuel got word of it and came to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And verse number 22. And the Bible says there, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You see, to justify his, his disobedience, Saul pretended to be serving God through the sacrifice of the animals that he had brought back with him from Amalek. He said, See, it's okay, Samuel. It's all right that I'm doing this because... I'm worshiping God. I, I, I'm making a sacrifice. I, I really think I made a better decision than, than, than the one that God made. By the way, we speak to ourselves and justify our actions in that way, don't we? I mean, honestly, I mean, I can't go that far. I mean, on, I mean, I don't think the Lord really intends that. Maybe he doesn't really mean it, mean it that way. I'll do this, and, and surely that will be pleasing to him. Well, it's not. What does God require? He requires obedience. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You say, Pastor, I, I certainly don't believe we have anybody in our church practicing witchcraft. I, I, I don't think anybody in our church is going and worshiping pagan idols. But the Bible said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Do you think rebellious people carry Bibles and wear coats and ties and dresses? Absolutely. Stubborn people? Do they go to Sunday school, sing in the choir, serve in the nursery and go to church? Absolutely. And so he says, Saul, you've sinned. Notice again in verse 23, because thou hast, what's the next word, church? Rejected. 
the word of the Lord. God gave you a command and you rejected it. You know, I, I think that we've learned in this culture, in this age, and in, in our church life that we've, we've found convenient ways for us, maybe, to justify our disregard for God's Word, our, our disregard for it. Well, I, I know that's what the Bible says, but it's not what I, I mean, I have no intention of doing that. that. That certainly doesn't apply to me. These are the kind of games we play in our mind. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. The Lord said, okay, Saul, if you won't listen to me, guess what? I won't listen to you. I'm finished with you as king. Verse 24, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn against me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon his skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And who was that neighbor? That neighbor was David. You see, Saul has come to a point now in his life where what he was told in 1 Samuel 15 is come true. He's coming to the final day of his life. He's lived a life uh, uh, with a pattern of rejecting and disregarding the word of God. By the way, what characterizes your life? So when I grew up in church, I know the Bible is the, is the word of God, and I believe it from cover to cover. Yes, well, that might be a convenient thing to say, but do you know how you show that you believe it? When you obey it, when you live by it, when you take God's word seriously, when you understand that this is the voice of God to you. You know, I remember my mom at certain times trying to get my attention said, I'm not talking to you for my health. God didn't just give us his word for the sake of giving it to us. He gave it to us so that we would glorify him through a life of obedience to it. And now Saul, because of the consequences of his rejection of God's word, finds himself in a dreadful position. He says to Samuel, God is departed from me. Where do you and I go in distress? The old songwriter said it this way, Yet when I face the chilling hand of death, where could I go but to the Lord? If you know him, aren't you glad you can go to him? If you don't know him, I want to invite you today to come to him. The songwriter said, where could I go? Oh, where could I go seeking a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to help me in the end? Hey, that's where Saul had come. He'd come to the end, but there was no one to help him. Such is the end of all who have rejected God and rejected God's word. Where could I go but to the Lord? In John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus gave the great discourse on the bread of life. The people had come to him because they wanted their physical needs met. 
They liked the bread and the fish. They wanted another fish sandwich. But he was ministering not to the needs of their body, but to the needs of their soul. He was giving them the words of life, but they had no appetite for the words of life. You see, they valued bread, physical bread, much more than they did spiritual bread. And so they forsook him, and they went away. And the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in verse 67, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You see, there's no other source that we can go to. He is our only source for truth and for life. He is the only one that we can go to in the time of our despair. But as I said, Saul had disregarded his voice time and time again. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse number 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. I don't think Saul ever thought it would end that quickly, do you? He can't believe it. It's over now. You see, it has come suddenly. He had been reproved, but he hardened his neck. He would not submit. He would not bow to the word of God. There was a man in the Bible named Felix, and Paul preached to him and reasoned. The Bible says in Acts 24, 25, he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And when Felix heard it, the Bible said he trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. You see, Felix bought into the lie that God had spoken to him then. He would speak to him again later, but that call never came. We have no record that Felix ever heard the voice of God again, that he was ever brought in under conviction again. It's a precious thing when God speaks to us, is it not? It's a wonderful thing. What greater thing could you ever ask for than the God of the universe, the one who created you, the one who formed you from the dust of the ground and breathed into the, 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 the body of man, the breath of life, and made him a living soul? What more could you ask for than to hear his voice? And we take it for granted. And we disregard it. But we're not to disregard it. The Lord said, my spirit, in Genesis 6 and verse 3, my spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, yet his days should be 120 years. The Lord said, I, I'm not going to contend to plead, I'm not going to continue to plead with this generation. You see, God having spoken to us makes no further promise to speak to us again. In, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, is in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works. Forty years. He said, when you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't turn against me. Don't reject me. Don't, don't, don't tell yourself that I owe you more opportunities to hear my voice again because you may hear it for the last time. Isaiah, along these same lines, in Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You see, Saul had every opportunity to seek the Lord while he was near and while he could be found, but he waited till it was too late. It was too late. 
May God help us to take very seriously the matter of God's voice and God's word. And may we not reject it for fear that he will reject us. Now, there are four things I want to call your attention to in this passage. I'll give them to you quickly, then we'll look at each one. Number one, we're going to see a fearful predicament. Saul found himself in a fearful predicament. Number two, a foolish inquiry. Number three, a final word. And then number four, a fallen king. Well, let's look first of all at a fearful predicament. Notice again in our text in verse number five, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. Here is the king of Israel, the man who stood head and shoulders above all the other members of the nation, the mighty leader, the mighty king. And how do we find him? We find him shaking in his boots. He is afraid and his heart greatly trembled. His heart melted like wax within him. Now, what produced the fear? There were three contributing factors. Number one was the presence of the Philistines. Here they are again. In verse number one, it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. Verse four, and the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem and Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. Do you know that you and I are in an endless struggle? Now it will end, let me say, while we live on this earth, it's endless, but it will end when we get to heaven. But we're in the midst of a spiritual conflict. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle. And we have an adversary, the devil, who has a roaring lion walking about, and he seeks whom he may devour. And I want to say this to you. He is relentless. He attacks from every angle. He uses every method. He is a relentless enemy. And here he comes again, showing up, ready to fight Saul. And Saul sees the army and he is afraid. You see, Saul's been fighting the wrong battles. He's been fighting David. He's been resisting God. Instead of submitting to God, instead of, instead of understanding God has a plan, instead of repenting of his sin and turning back to the Lord, what is he doing? He's going on in his stubbornness and in his rebellion, and he's fighting God, and he's fighting the wrong battle, and he's fighting the wrong enemy. And now the Philistines show up presence of the Philistines. Then secondly, we see the absence of Samuel. Where is Samuel? Well, he's dead. Verse three, now Samuel was dead and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. Samuel was the man who had anointed Saul as king. Samuel was the spiritual father of the land, the judge, the last of the judges. He was a prophet of God. He was a mighty voice. He interceded in prayer for the nation of Israel. And as he interceded for them, they won victory over the enemy. Samuel had warned Saul repeatedly, and Saul rejected the words of Samuel and the words of God. And oh, how Saul in this moment needed counsel, and he knew there was one place he could get it. But it was too late. Samuel was dead. Oh, listen, many lives are filled with regret, aren't they? Faithful grandparent, a faithful pastor, 
a faithful parent, a faithful person, influence in our lives, who warned us, who talked to us repeatedly, who, who, who reasoned with us, and we weren't interested. No. And now their voice is absent. So we see the presence of the Philistines, the absence of Saul. But then we see, thirdly, the silence of the Lord, and this is the worst and most alarming of all. Because Samuel needs to hear from God, but he doesn't hear from him. Or Saul, rather, excuse me, needs to hear from God, but he doesn't hear from him. Look in verse 5. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. You see, Saul learned a lesson. God is not your waiter up in heaven waiting to give you anything you want anytime you want it after you've lived a life that has rejected him. Don't take for granted that God is always there for you unless you know him as your Savior. He has promised never to leave you nor to forsake you. But those who live a life that is, that is clearly uh, patterned by rebellion and stubbornness may need to examine their own soul to see if they're truly in the faith. You see, here's a man who had neglected God's word and rejected his truth, and now in his hour of need, he wants the Lord to come through for him but the Lord is not there, and he answers him not, neither by dreams nor by Urim. Urim is what the priests had, those, those stones. And you could go to the priest, and, and you, could, you could seek counsel from the priest who would seek counsel from the Lord, and the answer would be manifest in the Urim. But here's the problem. Saul had sent Doeg to destroy the priests. He slew Ahimelech, and he slew 70 priests in the city of Nob, and he slew all the residents of the city of Nob. He utterly destroyed the priests. He would not utterly destroy the Amalekites earlier, but he decided in his own vengeance and his own wrath to utterly destroy the priests. No wonder God isn't speaking to him, nor by prophets. The silence of the Lord. He wants God to speak, but God's not speaking. The second thing we see is a foolish inquiry. A foolish inquiry. The Bible tells us in verse number three, in the middle of the verse, in light of the, <clears throat> the death of Samuel, we might think it's a strange thing that this is here in verse three. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Now that's there because it's going to become relevant for us in verse number seven. Because when Saul can find no answer from the Lord, when he, as Alistair Begg says, gets no answer from heaven, he seeks it from hell. He seeks it from hell. By the way, the Lord had commanded that there be no people with familiar spirits and wizards in the land. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verses 10 and 12. The Bible says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination 
or an observer of the times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. No fortune tellers, no soothsayers, no crystal balls, no palm reading, no medium who claims that they can speak to the dead and carry messages from the dead to the living. Don't have any of those things in the land. Don't seek anything from those people. And Saul, in verse 3, we're told, removed all those people from the land. But in his desperation, when he gets no answer from God, where does he turn? He turns to hell. Verse 7, then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me, by the familiar spirit, use this demonic spirit and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done. So it's clear she doesn't know this is Saul. He's disguised, right? How he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall uh, no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Now, that's a bold statement, is it not? He's speaking to a woman who is in clear disobedience to God, and he says, As the Lord liveth, no punishment will come to you for this. Maybe not from him, but he certainly cannot ensure that to her. Verse 11. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's ascending spirits ascending out of the earth, little G-O-D-S, little spirits, and he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Now there's some things we note here. Samuel appears, but he doesn't appear to Saul. He appears to the woman. She describes Samuel to Saul. He's an old man with a mantle. Well, he recognized immediately who the old man with a mantle was. It's the prophet. It's Samuel. It's the one he wants to see. When the woman saw him, she didn't go, well, here he is, just like I promised you. Just like the sign says out there on the, on the roadside, come in and I'll bring up your loved ones. No, no. No, she didn't say that. What did she do? The Bible said she cried out. Why did she cry out? Because she couldn't believe what she saw. She'd never seen this before. You see, put no confidence in these people who claim to be able to speak to your loved ones. It's been popular in years past. People have had television programs. I think people like Oprah have promoted this type of thing before. Short-lived television programs until people find out that these folks are just deceivers and they've got a good research department. And so they know things about your family and about your loved ones. 
and they pretend to be able to communicate with the dead, but they have no power to do so. And by the way, let me just say this. The devil does have power, and the magicians of Egypt were able to duplicate to some degree the miracles that God had performed, but only to a minute degree. But now God, we believe, in spite of the foolishness of Saul, has sent his messenger for one final word. It's a foolish inquiry. Why would you turn to this woman for truth? But here we find a man who has so rejected the truth of God that he has no other option, apparently, in his own mind. And we have a world that has so rejected the truth of God that they have turned to the lies of hell itself and embraced them. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 and verse 3, the foolishness of man perverteth his way and his heart fretteth against the Lord. So here this woman is, scared to death. She's never seen anything like this. John Woodhouse in his commentary says, this is nothing but a manifestation by God that God, who will later have Moses and Elijah meet the Lord, Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, sends Samuel in the midst of this foolishness to speak a final word to Saul. So it's a foolish inquiry. Number three, I've already given it to you, a final word. A final word. And Samuel said to Saul, verse 15, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I'm sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore have I called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Here he is in the last day of his life, and what does he want to know? He wants to know now what does God have to say. Think of the, those that... that uh, Noah preached it. 120 years. Remember the Lord said in that same context, my spirit will not always strive with man. Noah preached to him for 120 years. Flood's coming. Judgment's coming. God is sending judgment. Why are you building that boat, Noah? Because God said the only way you're going to make it is if you're in the boat. Oh, foolishness. I don't want to hear that mess. And they rejected the message. Finally, God brought Noah and his family and the animals into the ark, and he shut the door and he sealed it up, and they sat there. And then eventually something happened. The people, maybe mocking and having a fun time, said, how long is he going to stay in that ark? Felt something they had never felt before, a drop of rain on their face. The wind began to howl, and the sky turned dark, and the ground began to quake beneath them. The fountains of the earth were broken up, and water began to fall out like buckets upon the earth. And they all drowned. You see, they were desperate. No doubt they cried out. No doubt they cried out, Noah, let us in. Noah, let us in. But it was too late. It was too late. It's too late for Saul. All he has is a final word. He said, look, 
The Lord's departed. Hey, the Lord had long since departed. He recognized it too late. Is the Lord speaking to you? When's the last time God spoke to you? Does it bother you you haven't heard his voice? Does it bother you that he doesn't speak to you as he used to? Hey, Christian, do you know that you can grieve and you can quench the Holy Ghost? Yeah. You can disregard him. Does it bother you that you haven't heard his voice? Does it bother you that things that used to convict you no longer convict you? Do you know why they don't? Because you've learned to silence the voice of the Holy Ghost. You've learned to silence the voice of your conscience. You've learned to go on in your sin. He said, the Lord has departed. He recognized that the Lord had departed. And then Samuel responded with what the Lord had declared. In verse 16, then said Samuel, wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee and has become thine enemy? That's strong words, isn't it? God is withstanding you. And the Lord hath done to him as he has spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord. You see, Saul never makes confession, does he? Always excuses. Never confession, always excuses. It characterizes the lives of so many. So I said, God's departed from me. The enemy's after me. I don't know what to do. Well, he, he, he failed to say, I've sinned. So Samuel reminds him. Verse 18. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. Hey, the army is facing certain defeat. Why? Because the nation of Israel is under judgment. Why are they under judgment? Because they rejected God and wanted a king. And God told them, when you get the king you want, and you cry out for me to help you, I will not hear you. 1 Samuel 8, 18. You can look it up. You can read it. I will not hear you. Now the nation is being judged. But not only does the army face certain defeat, but Saul faces certain death. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. You got 24 hours to live. 24 hours. And you're going to be dead. There's no hope. Of Saul. Ephesians 2 and verse 12, that at that time, what time? The time before you knew Christ. At that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Do you know that if you do not know the Lord as your Savior right now in your present condition, you have no hope? What a dreadful place to be. And there's a world out here without God and without hope. And we're the messengers of hope. And may God help us to be faithful to take that message. Final word. Judgment is coming. Then lastly, a fallen king. 
A fallen king, verse 20, then Saul, when he heard this, what happened? He fell straightway all along on the earth. He fell flat on his face. You'll be dead in 24 hours. He fell on his face. He was seeking repentance. I think about Esau. The Bible said he sought it with tears, but he didn't get it. He was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. Now, I want you to think about Saul. He was a strong man. He was a mighty king and a mighty leader. But what happened to him? He decided that nobody could tell him what to do, even God. Samuel, I'm not going to listen to you. Ultimately, God, I'm not going to listen to you. Jonathan, my son, not going to listen to you. David, faithful servant, deliverer of the people. I don't want to hear your voice. I want you to know something, boys. I'm in charge. I'm the man. I'm the king. I'm strong. And I have power. Well, now how do we find him? He's broken. He's weak. He's licking up the dust. And he doesn't have power to stand. That's where we find him. You see, the Bible teaches us this in 1 Peter chapter 1. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. The Bible says it rises up in the morning, but by the afternoon when the sun burns hot, what happens? It withers away and dies. You see, men get full of pride, don't they, and glory. They think they're in command. Those Taliban fighters over there in Afghanistan beating their chest like they've accomplished something great. Let me tell you, one second in the presence of God, and they'll wilt like old dead flowers. And you will too. You will too if you reject God and God's word. He's a fallen king. His glory is gone. He's on the ground. He's inconsolable. The woman says, I'll fix you something to eat. You need some strength. And finally, they talk him into it. And the Bible says in verse 25, she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. Then they rose up and went away that night. And where did they go in the night? They went down to the battlefield. You see, there was no hope. There was no comfort. Sounds like a pretty nice meal. She killed the fat calf and she dressed it. She made bread. Probably wasn't as good as Longhorn, but maybe close. It was a meal as John Woodhouse said in his comment, a meal fit for a king. But here was a man who wasn't fit to be king. You think he had any pleasure in that meal? No. Because all that was on his mind 
was that it was over. And he got enough strength to make it to the battle where he's going to perish. David said concerning the righteous that they are blessed. In verse 3 of Psalm 1, he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. He's not going to wither. He's not going to get weak. Why? Because his strength is in the Lord. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Where do we find Saul? He's fallen. He cannot stand in the judgment. We don't find him with the righteous. We find him with the wicked, with the witch of Endor. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Maybe you're here this morning, you do not know the Lord as your Savior. You've heard the message of the gospel and you thought, I'll get saved later. You've got no promise that later is ever going to come. You may not get home today before you're in the presence of the dead. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Come to Jesus. Christian friend, you find yourself drifting from the Lord? Do you find that you've grieved and quenched the Spirit of God and it's as if the Word of God doesn't have effect in your life and no sermon can be preached, no word can be uttered by any Christian that will help you? You've made up your mind. You're going to do it your way. God has given you mercy and God has given you opportunity. He brought you here today. What does he want you to do? Don't wait until it's too late. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.